0: We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-no's. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children and please be aware it may be triggering. Hey! Hey. We're Chelsea and Catherine and we're talking about the no-no's. All right, to quote bomb us off, it's from the one and only Brene Brown. Yes. Owning our story means acknowledging our feelings and wrestling with the hard emotions. Our fear, anger, aggression, shame, and blame. This isn't easy, but the alternative, denying our stories and disengaging from emotion means choosing to live our entire lives in the dark. Ooh, that was a good one, Chelsea. Uh Why'd you pick this quote? Uh, I picked that quote because I feel like it really does describe
1: just what I've gone through in my journey of healing in the last year and a half. But I mean, more even in my life, just in general, but of that, that is the work for me of going through those hard emotions and sitting in them and processing them and owning them, owning that story. Like I talked about in my first episode is that I really felt like it wasn't my story to share kind of the first time around. And that was a big switch for me. And the second time I was like, no, I'm going to own this. I'm owning the story. This is not something I like, but it is a part of who I am and like who I'm becoming. Right.
0: I've liked you've said this several times that you're like, no, actually, this is my story, too. Yeah. And I think that that is so true. And I think often people don't think it is Mm -hmm. when you're on the other end of it. And um, I think that that in itself is such an incredibly helpful insight. So you have been, it's it's been about a year and a half Mm -hmm. of uh, healing, right? Yes. Is that what you would call it? (laughs) What would you call it? Pain, healing, process, (laughs) journey. 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 I I couldn't find the word. Yeah. And you and your husband have decided to reconcile. Mm -hmm. So kind of your side of it what does that look like so
1: my side of that what that looks like is one is that my husband had to be um ready and doing the work to be living in sobriety and to not just be living in sobriety like stopping a behavior but to be living in good recovery which looks like continuing to do work all the work that he needs to do to heal his deep pains and to continue to be intentional about um what it looks like to be a healthy person like how to be healthy emotionally and physically and spiritually that like that is his pursuit and it's not just like a stopping of something but it's Mm. like the start of a whole new thing Mm. um the stopping had to be a part of it because that was that's part of it for me but um the beginning had to be the main thing.
0: I think you said this in your story episode. Um, I've heard you say this somewhere mm-hmm. else, and I always love it when you say this. You always say, "I don't want the marriage we had before." Yeah, no. <laughs> you want something. You s- something. Kind of expand new. On that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you know, a lot of times when you hear people talk about something like their life falling apart or whatever, they're like, "I'm picking up the broken pieces," and like. Mm. Kind of this idea and this imagery of picking up all these broken things and trying to glue it back together, which would be to glue something back into the same shape, right? Mm-hmm. And Lisa Turker's has like a quote too that I thought about using for this, but it's like, what about if like the very thing like God needed to use to for us? I'm messing up the quote because I'm not reading it, I'm just thinking about it is dust. Mm. And, um, There's like a whole thing about that in her book, but it's beautiful. And so this idea of dust all the time, and I did, I thought about that, is that like our marriage was blown apart, like blown to pieces and was just dust. Like there was nothing left to glue back together. Mm -hmm. And I was glad because I didn't just want something that was like before. Right. I was like, it has to be new. It has to be different. It has to be a new thing. And even the passages in the Bible that talk about the potter's house, right, where it's like, Mm The clay like kind of fell apart and then the potter took it and made it into a new vessel, like something new, something just as beautiful and something that was still crafted by like the, you know, the artisan. But it was a new thing. And I was really just like, yeah, I need a new thing in my life. So it's more about not piecing together things, but clearing the debris so that there's space to build. Right. Right. So that's what kind of I would say that last year and a half has really been has been clearing away all that debris, all that really hard work of cleaning up the mess, like everything that fell down and that's been in the way and clearing that all away. So now we can start building something new. Mm. So we're kind of at the beginning stage of
0: that. So good. So good. So what are you specifically doing to start this new something new right so on your end like what are you um like tangibly doing
1: so things that i'm tangibly doing which i like that you said that because it's not just something like i'm thinking about but the things i'm actually putting into practice um is getting support has been huge so i am a part of a support group for partners of people with inappropriate sexual behavior or betrayal and that has been huge, just being with other people who get it, who understand maybe people's stories are different, but who understand a lot of the same like feelings and emotions that you go through of, you know, I'm not enough or just all the different things or like of codependency and all that people that get it. That you're not having to explain right. something too constantly, but you say something and they're like, I get it. I oh, get yeah. it. And they don't just get it, but they're working towards health in their life. Because that's what it is for me is not just like dependent upon what is someone else doing or what is my marriage going to be, but it's about me being a healthy person, me going through the process of looking at my own life and things that I'm going through and struggles that I have and um, places that I need to grow in to be healthier and starting that and really looking at that in a very... um, vulnerable way Mm. and so that's been huge um and 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 you're in a in a safe environment yes and it is safe and you have people to walk through all those difficult things with you that Mm. are like i see you and i'm here and i get it i'm like i'm holding space for you Mm. whatever that looks like for you right now
0: and so that
1: is like a weekly thing or that is weekly Mm mm-hmm um, so, I'm actually doing, like, leadership training for that right now. Um, I did, like, a whole year of going through the book work for it. Okay. And then um, I go to therapy. So, I have a therapist for myself. And then my husband and I have a marriage therapist as well.
0: And it's a separate therapist. Separate.
1: And I think that's so key, too. Is so, basically, I have a therapist. My husband has a therapist. And my therapist is trauma-informed. She's a trauma therapist. And she act- she is also... I'm an addictions therapist too. So she understands what it's like to be married to an addict and to be married to a sexual addict and what that does. And like, she gets it. And so she's able to um, work with me through that. And then my husband has a therapist who's an addictions counselor. And then we have a marriage therapist. So three different people. And I think that's so key because it's like both of us kind of have like our person you know that you feel like is like on your side your yep. your person and then our marriage person is like an unbiased like they are about the work of what is your marriage look like not like well they know this about this person and i'm telling them this like you don't feel like they have like a preference or something Where it's like, well, that's their counselor. So, of course, they're saying that. They're citing that with them. There's no opportunity for that kind of thinking because he's like, I'm here for you both. Like, you go marriage as a whole, not just one person. Yeah. So, that's, those are tangible things as well as just, like, the work that I need to do from that. So, dealing with my emotions and journaling and you know, talking to people and being realistic, like all of that stuff that comes from those places.
0: Right. And both of you, you're able to reconcile your marriage or work on reconciling your marriage Mm -hmm. because both of you are willing to put the work in it too.
1: Both of us are doing the work and they say for a marriage to recover from sexual betrayal, um, both people have to be in recovery. Basically both Mm -hmm. people have to be doing the work because if both people are, are not doing the work, it's not going to work.
0: That is a very good insight for listeners. That's from
1: Dr. Doug Weiss. (laughs) Dr.
0: Doug Weiss. Oh, we've we've talked about him before, right? Yes. Yes. I like how you whispered that. (laughs) Dr. Doug Weiss. Yes. Dr. (laughs) Doug is um, like an expert
1: in the field of sexual addiction, but also on like partner betrayal. And he has a website and all that because this is like a resource episode. So he has a website. He has a counseling service called Heart to Heart um, with really, really affordable phone counseling. So... If like in-person counseling in your area is not something that financially is easy to swing, their phone counseling is really affordable, and they're all the therapists there are trauma informed. They're all addictions therapists, like they're all legit. Like that's awesome. what the whole thing's about. So
0: yes, yes, this whole episode is about resources and yeah. really just trying to if somebody's listening into that. Is um in a similar position mm-hmm. that you're that's really the heart of this podcast is that you're getting real stories and you're also just getting like what helped real people yeah. and the resources that helped us. So um thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's listening and maybe isn't going through this, mm-hmm. what are some of the kind of no, no things that people, we always talk about this, but like, what's been helpful and hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's been helpful and like, what's been hurtful as you've been in this recovery.
1: Okay. So I'm going to try to think of it in like sections of what is helpful and then do what's hurtful, um, and not try to like intertwine them because that will be confusing. But, (laughs) um, what has been helpful for me is people that are just there for one Mm. that just are there are safe people that I can speak with um, people that I don't feel like are shaming um, of my husband or mm-hmm. of me or, you know, th- like telling me like, well, you got to just forgive and you got it. Which mm-hmm. that goes into the That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to not intertwine the <laughs> helpful versus unhelpful. Um, You can intertwine if you need to. Okay. But people not just telling you that because that's so common is people being like, you need to forgive and you need to move on. And like, God hates divorce and all of those things. I need people that are saying that they're there to support me no matter what that looks like and that they want what's best for me and they want a healthy marriage for me, which does not include being in a betrayal marriage. Like... You know, like these are not things that are good for my life. So if that's what you're telling me and forgiving someone that's just trying to move over what someone did to just get beyond it is not forgiveness. Um, So all those things. Um, But, yeah, just just being there and not and not expecting me to all of a sudden be better or like feeling better by like the next week or whatever that like, oh, well, this thing happened. But, you know. You're doing well and you moved on because they say it takes like three to five years for the partner to feel somewhat normal, Mm. which we talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think in my episode how that, you know, that healing isn't like a linear thing. Mm -hmm. It's different for everyone, but typically that is the case. And so it's like it takes about that long just to get to a stage where you're like not stuck in this like foggy way of functioning for so long. Mm. Because you just lived a long period of your life not having all the information that pertains to your life. Right. So coming back from that, putting those pieces together or just figuring out what pieces aren't there and what pieces you shouldn't even be looking for. It it takes a while. It just takes time. And it takes time for your brain to heal and for your emotions. And so um, but then in that, like kind of not forgetting about you either, like not forgetting that, like you've really been going through it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um like how are you doing like just kind of checking in with you right that has been really helpful for me people being like yeah you've been going through a lot like you know is there is there something i can do like let's hang out let's grab a coffee like yeah let's you just know? be I'm friends yeah. yeah
0: i like how you said having people that are willing to just like sit with you in your pain yeah that it's not like okay well that I'm okay with you not being okay for like two weeks, but then I'm not okay. I need you to be okay yeah. because this is making me uncomfortable type of thing. Yeah. Um, finding the people that are like, dude, I'm going to love you and be with you for as like as long as you feel like this. Yeah. However you feel, whatever you do, like I'm here for you. And I feel like those people are not, that are are rare. They are. They are. And
1: I am very, very fortunate in my life. I feel like I have a lot of those people. You do. I and think so you do I'm too. really, really glad because I need them right and i am really really grateful for that um on the other side things that aren't helpful um one people like asking specific details especially when you feel like they're trying to measure the amount of betrayal or trauma you should be feeling like they're trying to gauge it like oh well that's what happened so really is that a big deal or oh my goodness like That they're trying to, like, measure that somehow. And you're like, no, I'm telling you that this really traumatic thing happened in my life. Like, end of story. It's not about, like, a level of this. Like,
0: whatever you gauge to be something. That is such a weird thing that people do with traumas in general. Is they have to, like often times it's like I need to know how bad I should feel for you or if I should feel bad for you so I need to know all the dirty details that are like none of my business at all yeah and incredibly insensitive and rude to ask yeah but in order for me to know if I this is something I need to really feel bad Mm -hmm. about it's such a weird I don't even know why that happens but people stop it yeah (laughs) if you are doing this you need to stop stop it stop yeah stop doing that and everybody's individuals right and so different things affect different people yeah right and so like if someone's telling you like this is a really hard thing for me like Mm -hmm. and it maybe wouldn't be for you yeah um just just everyone's capacity for different things is different yes and that's just that's that's life
1: and it's great because that means in an area where maybe i don't have a big capacity for something someone else does right um and you need that you need that in life um I think the other thing is just anytime I feel like then people are kind of um, judging. I mean, this like judging, not necessarily me. I mostly feel that they're judging my spouse. right? Um, just that they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, where mm-hmm. you feel like someone's going to feel like that. And mostly those type of people is not someone that I'm really talking with anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get some of that. And I think the other thing is just kind of when someone – That you really think is someone you're close with or like a safe person, and you share this with, and they kind of just like peace out. I know that's really hurtful.
0: That's so hurtful. And it's not necessarily
1: that you need to be like checking up on someone all the time and like always there, but just being like, hey, like I know you're having a hard time. I've been thinking about you. Like just Mm -hmm. when they peace out, and then you almost feel I think I've talked before, maybe with you about this too, just that like all of a sudden you become the uninvited. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know if like this person's like having a tough time. So I'm not going to invite them to this thing because I really just want to be having a good time. Yeah, And you get some of that and you feel that and it's not something you're unaware of. Yeah. like I'm very aware of that. And it's just like, well, maybe I'm having a great time and I want to be having a great time with other people. Or if someone's having a hard time, does that mean that they shouldn't be a part of something? Right. Just because like they're experiencing life as a human. Yeah. So I feel like that has been hard,
0: like hurtful. That's super hurtful. Yeah. Especially when it's people in your life. They're like, you're regularly in my life. Yeah. And then when I'm going through something difficult, I'm all of a sudden not in your life. It's not yeah. even like it's a very obvious, and it's super, super hurtful. Yeah. And I love that you're talking about that because that is a common thing, unfortunately. It is. Yeah. And that's another thing. It, don't do that. And
1: I feel like when that's happened, sometimes people become aware of that, and then, but they feel like because it's been so long, yeah, that then they like can't do anything about it, or they're like embarrassed about it, or they're feeling badly about so, maybe how they acted. And it's like, I feel like for me, I would still rather someone come and be like, you know what, I really like missed it. Like I wasn't there, yeah. and I did this, and. Like, I'm sorry, and, like, I'm here now, or just, like, I'm in a place in life where I'm just really, like, I'm unable to deal. Like, just being honest, and not using that necessarily as an excuse, but just being honest with someone of, like, I feel like I should be there for you, and I'm really struggling to do it. And, like, is there a way... That maybe I can support you that I'm not aware of or something like yeah. just talking, to just acknowledging it. it, just acknowledging yeah. like instead of just like, well, I screwed up. So I'm just going to like kind of just keep digging that hole deeper and deeper to where yes. there's like no, there's no way to mend this.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Just having someone just be like, hey, I I ign- am acknowledging that I kind of have sucked at being there for you. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Just saying sorry for it. Yeah right? Yeah. Like I didn't know what to do with it and I did nothing. You know what I mean? That whole typical thing, but it is, that is something that is incredibly hurtful Mm -hmm. for sure. What other kind of insights do you think that you have at the top of your head that you think would be helpful for people that are listening in to like support someone that's going through something like this?
1: So I know, so for me, I'm one of those people where it's like when I know that someone's going through something, I kind of like really want to know a lot about it or I'll look into it or I'll learn about something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that can be helpful and asking questions. But also I think specifically for me, something that like I really wished that people would understand and was really helpful to me is um, kind of the difference between a struggle and addiction. Mm. And so we talked about that a little bit in my first thing. And then so I kind of wanted to throw put this quote in, um, for like the American, uh, the American association of addiction of what addiction is, because I feel like it helps people make more sense. Cause I don't think that people always realize that this is kind of back to like the, you know, what's been helpful, hurtful is people don't always realize that like just how addiction, affects every aspect of someone's life so therefore every aspect of the people that are connected to them really Mm. especially like a spouse um that it's not just like a behavior or an instance but it affects the way their brain works in a lot of different ways and um just like kind of the way that they go through their day and through their life and so Seeing that difference between things and actually getting like a really good definition of what addiction is, I think can be really helpful. Um, So I'm just going to read it. It's a little bit long, but it's on purpose because it's helpful. Um, Addiction is a primary chronic, chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory and related circuitry. Dysfunction in these circuits leads to characteristic biological, psychological, social and spiritual manifestations This is reflected in an individual pathologically pursuing reward and or relief by substance use and other behaviors. Addiction is characterized by inability to consistently abstain, impairment in behavioral control, craving diminished recognition of significant problems with one's behaviors, and interpersonal relationships and a dysfunctional emotional response. It goes on to say, addiction is more than a behavioral disorder. Features of addiction include aspects of a person's behaviors, cognitions, emotions, and interactions with others, including a person's ability to relate to members of their family, to members of their community, to their own
0: psychological state, and to things that transcend their daily experience. I think that's so important to to talk about mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people will minimize Uh, Sex addiction Mm -hmm. and as a struggle, Mm -hmm. or like it's just something I struggle with, no big deal, like whatever, blah blah blah. Or I don't know, I even feel like in the culture, it's like normal, it's okay, normal, it's okay, and um, it's not that big of a deal when really it is something that literally affects your brain. Yeah, it rewires your brain, which is you're giving your brain
1: basically the highest possible reward, like the highest drug, which is in and of itself, like inside the brain continually. And it's something that you also then bond to things from. So when your brain releases that oxytocin, you're also bond with Mm. whatever that is, whatever you're using for that mechanism. And so you're rewiring all those places in your brain of like where you find, you know, attachment and bonding and like significance and, all of these things, like you're rewiring your brain in major, major ways of the neural pathways.
0: Yeah, and even just hearing kind of your guys' recovery steps Mm -hmm. of like three different counselors and it's a weekly thing and it's all these things, I think it could people listening could think like that's a little much, Mm -hmm. like that's a little extreme. But when you read that definition, you're like, no, actually this is what has to happen because that's how big of a deal this is. And what an addiction it is. And like, this is the amount of work it takes to kind of recover from that for you and like help to rewire your brain, right? Rewire your brain back for the addict. Yeah. So Am I saying that right?
1: Yeah. So your brain is what they have, has what they call neuroplasticity, which is basically that your brain has the ability to change, which was super helpful to me. Mm. learning more about that because previously they used to think your brain was kind of whatever happened like you had a brain injury or whatever and you had you know limitations come from that like you're stuck you're stuck like that if you had an injury and you can't talk like you're not really going to be able to learn to talk Mm. like there there used to be this idea of that and now they've discovered so much more about the brain which they're still learning so much about it because it's so complex but um neuroplasticity has been like a huge leap And that has been like a huge thing for me learning about that because I'm like, one, my spouse has the ability for his brain to actually change because I'm like, how, how is it possible that we could ever move away from this? Because basically he's jacked his brain up so much. Like, how is that even possible? And learning that it is possible, it takes a lot of intention and hard work to like practice new things to create new neural pathways So that you are doing things like you're coping in a healthy way versus an unhealthy um, is possible, though. It's totally possible. And even for me, ways that I've been functioning that aren't healthy or like lies that I've been leaving, all these things, I have the ability to change that.
0: Where did you read that? Where did you learn about that?
1: So about the neuroplasticity, I read a book by Dr. Carolyn Leaf uh, called Switch on Your Brain, which was like the first step for me in that. Um, And then I've read like a a lot of other notes. She's a neuroscientist, but she's also a neuroscientist that relates um, neuroscience discoveries now to scripture, like what the Bible has been saying all Mm. along, like how those aren't just like poetic ideas, but it's legitimately how your brain is wired. Wow. Um, That was really powerful for me. And then like I've read books about um, how sexual addiction rewires your brain. Um, So Wired for Intimacy uh, by William Struthers was a really powerful book to me because it's about the idea that we're wired for connection and that when we are taking part in these other behaviors, like we're rewiring our brain away from connection. Wow. Like what we're doing is not providing what we actually need and talks about all the ways that that actually happens, like what is going on in the brain and what our brain needs versus like. What we're doing is creating this opposite effect. And that book was really um, eye-opening for me as well, just seeing things kind of from the addict view of the brain as well, Mm. because that's what he's talking about specifically is is all that. Like our culture says this is okay, but this is why like super even just on a scientific level, like these things are really unhealthy. Right. Like they're not okay because like, look at this and look at this and look at this and this
0: develops this and you're like wow that's crazy the brain is crazy yeah, i love it i know that's so interesting and that is so hopeful for someone listening that maybe is feeling hopeless for this changing in them yeah or, right i love that you gave that resource yeah. out there and information that our brain actually can change it's yeah. a lot of hard work it takes work but it's super
1: doable Right. It is
0: not impossible. What, so along those same kind of lines, what other resources were like helpful to you that you would recommend if someone's listening in that is, you know, needing, is in the same position? Yeah. Or, so for me, I'm one of those people that learning
1: a ton about things is just something I enjoy, mm-hmm. but also really helpful for me in processing things. And so, um, I've read a lot of stuff that all relates all to this, either the partner side or the addict side, like what's going on emotionally and, you know, um, in mental health and all of those things. Um, And so I've like read tons and tons of information, which is helpful to me. And I'm like, I continue doing it because continuing to learn about it is really helpful for me. I know that that's not necessarily the case for everyone because some people get really overwhelmed with all the information But I do have some books that I think are kind of like don't miss books about it. Um, So the first book I actually read when all this like I caught my husband is that is C.S. Lewis is the problem of pain because I was just like, why? I have had so much pain in my life. Like, why? Why more? Why Mm -hmm. And so I've just like had this strong urge and we talked about this a little bit too, is that I'm not like a rereader. I'm not like watch the same movie all the time. Cause I'm like, I didn't forget what happened. Like I just, yeah. that's not me. But the problem with pain is a book that I've reread a bunch of times and kind of I'll probably always reread because I think I'm always going to struggle with that question. I'm never necessarily going to have the answer to it. Like why is there pain in the world? Um, but I was just like, I need to like understand somewhat like pain's place in my life, or at least like all the pieces that I'm like grappling with. Mm-hmm. And so I read that book first, actually, which is, you know, doesn't really have anything to do with sexual addiction, but has to do with suffering. Right. And so I read that um, Intimate Deception by Sherry. I think I don't I didn't look up how to pronounce her last name. It's either Kefir or Kiefer. probably keffer because it's k-e-f-f-e-r we'll say (laughs) keffer um it explains trauma it explains triggers it has like work like stuff that you can work through in the book the way she writes it is she just writes it really well um as someone who just really gets it she's actually like a therapist as well and so she explains to you what is happening inside your body with all the trauma stuff because i didn't realize at first that i was experiencing trauma um, and so she explains all of that and you're just like, oh, it was really eye opening and very helpful and very validating, mm. super validating about what you're experiencing, but also giving you steps to like work through it, like ways to work through your anxiety and things that you can start doing to like feel better and not just be stuck in that place. Um, the other book is Lisa Turker's book. It's not supposed to be this way. It's. A very raw emotional look at her spiritual journey and just her journal, her journey in general with going through this with her husband and what that looked like for her at the time. And she wrote it kind of as she was going through it. And then, like, went back and, you know, kind of like made things link together better. But so it does, it includes a lot of that raw emotion, but not in like a way that's like, kind of messy and hard to understand, which a lot of like emotional response just kind of goes all over this mm-hmm. place. But just really from a story perspective of her experience and her like struggling with God through it and her just not knowing what was going to happen in her marriage, just all the emotions that she felt through that. Um,
0: that book is fantastic. Let me pause you before you go yes. on to the next one. That reminded me of a question I I've wanted to ask you that I wanted to ask you in your episode, but okay. I forgot we, what has your relationship with God look like through this all?
1: I would say I've, I've really struggled to look at that honestly for myself because mm-hmm. I'm like, I know the right things. And I know that like if I keep taking like an obedient step after an obedient step at some point, like because of my experience in life with God, I'll understand or I'll get to a place um, where my feelings match up more with what I know, like my feelings and my reality, like, you know, my feelings and truth will match. And so I've struggled through looking at that, honestly, to be honest, is <laughs> like, because I feel I'm, I am in a place right now where it's like, I'm going to keep taking these steps that I believe are the right steps, because it's the right thing, not necessarily because i feel feel good about them Mm -hmm. or because I feel like it's the thing to do, but because I know it to be true Mm. and I'm praying that at some point what I know and what I feel start to like align up better. Um, But in a lot of ways I've felt kind of weary just of like, why have I worked so hard Mm. at this relationship? And, you know, and now I have to work even harder, basically like this weariness. Mm. And so that, Passage about, like, don't grow weary about doing good has been one of my passages for so long. And, like, everyone says it to And I'm like, and it is. It's something I have to keep reminding myself of is because I do. I grow really weary real fast.
0: Yeah. Understandably.
1: And so there's been a lot of struggle there for me. And I think I'm not really at a place yet where I know honestly what that looks like, which feels really weird for me. It's because that feels like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Even though I know that's not necessarily a bad thing, um but it just feels like, oh like what what who am I am I like you know who is God? I don't know, but yeah. um i I have felt peace in it though of like I really feel like God does get that, and I'm gonna be honest about him with where I'm at, yes. and he's there, yes, and so um. That has been a big part of it, of feeling like kind of this contentment in places where, not contentment, but like a peace in places where I shouldn't necessarily typically like in the way the world sees that I would feel peace or knowing what to do in situations that really don't have like um, a cut and dry answer or whatever, but being able to move through those things. But it's been hard. It's been hard just to like – yeah. I think the weariness has really been a big thing for me.
0: Yeah. That I that verse is amazing. Yeah. PS. <laughs> and um I think that's just an honest answer. I mean, we talk about God a lot on this podcast cuz we're yeah. both Christians. Yeah. Um but that doesn't mean that people can't No. It's just, a big, life, it's just so a big part of our life. It's just a big part of our life. We talk about it otherwise exactly. it would be not authentic. Exactly. And for exactly. And for me, um yeah, just anytime you're going through a trauma mm-hmm. like this it does make you really question like God often and that's why I always ask that question because um I think that it's helpful for people to know like that it's okay like God still loves you yeah <laughs> like you can feel like I don't know how I feel about this or like have confusing feelings and Anyways, I wanted to ask you that question and thank you for not giving the right answer, but giving the real answer. Well, I think the other thing too that
1: goes in my head a lot is when I do have that where I'm growing weary is then I'm also always like met with this response and kind of reminded of it's not all about me. And so I'll think sometimes and I'm like, but like my, my heart is saying like, you know you care about me like god you care about me and i get that this is important to you but this is not all about me it's not my life is not all about me my spouse's life is not all about them like Mm -hmm. because as a follower of jesus i believe that my life affects other people and Mm -hmm. that it's like bringing a message of who god is Mm -hmm. like So it's not just about me and my experience, but there's something beyond it. Mm -hmm. And I might not know what that is and I might never fully know what that is, but I just kind of keep being reminded of that when I'm getting into this place where I'm kind of stuck on like the weariness and and (laughs) the weariness and the pain of remembering like, okay, but it's not all about me. Like this isn't it. Yeah. This isn't all it. Like, right. it's not just whatever this is. It's something more, something
0: greater. So what would you tell Chelsea from a year and a half ago? Oh, gosh. What would Chelsea today? Okay, hold on. Let me rephrase this. Okay. What would Chelsea today tell Chelsea a year and a half ago to give her, like, hope for her future? You just found out you're devastated. Okay. Okay. Right. What would you tell yourself? Like what has gotten you through or like that you wish you could tell yourself back okay. then? Like, hey, girl, I'm going to circle back to it really quick
1: because there was one more book that I really wanted to mention. Oh, no, we're going to get to that. OK, we'll one. get
0: to that at the end. OK, well, I'll, I'll as long that. as we
1: get back to it, we're because gonna I'm get... like, this was like a pivotal book for me.
0: I'm going to end with this question and then we're going to give some okay. more resources and then we'll kind of end okay. it. Perfect. But I just kind of want like, because I often think that like when you look back on something yeah. and you have like, a totally different perspective. You have a totally different yeah. perspective. And if you could go back and tell yourself, which is really what I'm saying is you're telling someone that right now that's that's experiencing this. Like you want to say, like, I know you feel hopeless, but there is hope. Yeah, I know like this feels like whatever, but it does work out. You know, yeah. things like that.
1: So I think I would tell myself is that kind of like keep doing what you're doing. Like mm. it feels unsure right now, but the steps that you're making are the right steps like this time have been the steps for your growth and your health and change and the idea that no matter what happens whether my marriage would be reconciled or not um that the steps that I'm taking aren't about that but are about me and my healing and so it's not dependent upon like a relationship so I think I would I would like kind of congratulate myself in a way, which is like something I really struggle to even say, like to try to even get the words out of my mouth. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like I'm so awful. No, Um, like telling yourself, like I'm proud of you, but yeah, that I am proud of me and that doing that work is courageous and that it's hard, but to keep doing it, to keep working on it because it is worth it. And it's not just worth it because my marriage is in the process of reconciliation, but it's worth it for who I am, for myself, for me, mm. and to keep doing it and that it's going to be hard, yeah, super hard, um, but to keep going, to keep going no matter what. And also that there is hope because it, uh, it's so hard to feel like that mm. in that moment. I really, really, really struggled with the idea of hope because mm. it seemed so foolish to me. Where, where you think of people are like, well, there's hope. I'm like, yeah, I'm not yeah. so sure. yeah, am yeah, yeah. really not. I'm I'm waiting to see.
0: Right. um So, but the idea of like, eventually you are going to see it. I like that question. I just came off. I, that came out of the top of my head. Look at you. No, but I, I am really proud of you also. And I think you sent me something on Instagram this week where it was like, People expect you to get out of bed every day and that's really asking too much or something. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah that. it was something like that. <laughs> something hilarious like that, which is really how you feel in yeah. those moments. Like you're like, I didn't even want to get out of bed, let alone do all of this millions of things to make it work. And I'm really proud of myself for doing the hard work to um heal myself. Yeah. And hopefully in that, my marriage as well. And it's it is going towards that. But um, but I'm proud of you for that. Because Thank yeah, you. getting out of bed. Was hard enough, yeah. right? No, super hard. And the, all the days
1: that I'm like, I just want to live. That quote was really funny. What was it? I don't Did know. You, we'll have to put
0: it on the Instagram. Know, that was like a really great quote. I know. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank you for that. Uh-huh. That um. All of those. I really love this episode. It's, I feel like it's been very just honest. Mm-hmm. And you are a person that I love that you do have all of the information all of the time. You are your father's daughter that, that way. <laughs> And it's really helpful to people. But I also like when you're you're real enough to say like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how I feel about that. And that's really real. And um, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I think that that's what's the most helpful to people is just knowing like, hey, it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. And um, not know all the answers mm-hmm. or have the right answers and stuff. Yeah. So give us your last. So the last book resources. that I wanted to mention for sure
1: well, there's two, basically anything by Brene Brown is going to be She's so good. just helpful in your life because she deals with the hard things like the podcast is talking about the no-nos. She's a shame and vulnerability researcher like it's legit. So pretty much anything by her can't go wrong. Right. Um, it's going to hit your your life in some way. Um, but the Soul of Shame by Dr. Kurt Thompson was incredible for me so the soul of shame the soul of shame about it's about how shame affects us on like a neurological level but also like affects our soul because of how that's all connected and just like even the subtle ways that we experience shame in our life how that plays out then in our life like later on and it's one of those books that i read this year as an audiobook and i bought the book book because I'm like, I'm going to go back and like physically reread this book you and probably read two books reread it for like the rest of my life because I feel like I could constantly reread it and always be learning something super valuable
0: i need to read this book so
1: that book is super good now i have it you can borrow it you yes. have to give it back though because you're gonna re- I have to
0: reread it <laughs> as you've been saying you're not a rereader i know <laughs>
1: there's only a few like if i'm rereading a book it's it's really important to me
0: well we will put all of this information in our yeah. show notes right and on our instagram and as always you can connect with us at Talking about the no-nos at gmail.com yeah. and on IG talking about the no-nos. Did I miss yes. anything, Chelsea? No, you did it. Oh, good job. Is there any last minute thing of well, insight? Did you
1: tell people what they should do? What did I tell people they should do? I didn't quite fully listen to your outro that about
0: what they need to do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, I wanted to make sure you didn't have anything okay. else that... I don't think so. All right, I mean. Great. I'm I'm in the process with this of, like, I'm constantly learning and
1: the the healing is always kind of changing. So I feel like it's kind of a, like, in progress thing. So I'm like, I probably have a lot more, but it's all... Which I think is incredibly helpful that you are... People can super contact me if they want to talk more about it. Like, right. contact me on our Instagram. Marco Polo is probably the easiest way to actually have, like, a longer conversation with me because it's faster for me and the place of life that I'm in. But... Yeah. If you're struggling or you're going through this, like there's no need to do it alone. And I can be a safe person for you to talk with and help, you know, help you find support too.
0: So awesome. And as we always say, Chelsea, yeah, find your safe people to talk about the no-nos with.